on this week's episode of Die Starts Monday, we pretty much catch up on like a month's worth of bullshit. Uh, a lot has happened. <laughs> and um, then we talk all things literacy and higher ed with this week's guest. So enjoy. <laughs> It's your three favorite cows driving on the East Coast, figuring it out and always doing the most. We've got our ups and downs at the end of the day. Don't forget, diet starts Monday. Wow. Welcome. Welcome back to another good old time with the Diet Starts Monday. (laughs) It's been a minute. Um, What? What was that? A a good old time? A a good old time. I I didn't want to say another riveting episode because I just think that's probably what I say every time. Every, every, yeah. Um, (laughs) So now we're switching it up on you. Um, Also, y'all, it's like, I know we've been like, leaving you hanging probably for a couple weeks um the beach was cute Aj got her life together or it was like you know the continuous getting her life together of school yeah, I was gonna things. say that's a, that's a stretch but I'm working on it <laughs> Fine. we're all we're all working on it um but we're here so for today it's also kind of a unique episode because I think this is the first time that we are like flying without Maya Maya, um, yeah, Maya is living her best life like literally in Dubai Visiting um, Dawi. Uh, hey, Papa Dawi. Mahaban. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you just pull out your like Arabic minor? <laughs> yeah, so th- th- that that means literally hello. Um, that's ah. as fancy as we're getting. Um, but that's chill. Anywho, a lot has been happening since last. we last like put out a full episode. Um, I don't like Jesus uh, Christ. The we just start going down. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so starting with, I guess, some good news Oh, love it. I'm shook. <laughs> um, R. Kelly is in custody, but then he got out of custody, and then he's back in custody. Who is paying <laughs> this bail? Um, his auntie fans. Like, <sighs> it's, I'm, I'm tired of them. This one woman, like, owned a daycare, and I was like, you don't find it problematic that, like, you work with children and <laughs> then decided to bail this child molester out of jail. I guess he, you know, he's more into teens, which not to make that yeah. do- doesn't make anything better, but oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a hot fucking mess. Yeah. But at least like some legal action is being taken. Like at least he's like, like consequences. Yeah, yeah. 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 Things, things that are happening, uh, moving right along because that's all the energy I have for that currently. Um, right. it's something else that is sapping my energy. Um, politically, there's a lot going on, and like we know, we're not expert political commentators, but you know, we can like break oh, down a little bits and pieces here. Close. I like. <laughs> I stand our own our like ignorance. Um, but anywho, so as y'all are probably aware, there was like you know that motherfucker declared a national emergency to literally just like find a way around the entire like legislative branch of our government to like take billions or some other bullshit from other places and then also the ball. legislative branch was like yeet no um you can't do that but i don't think they got enough votes and now it has to go to the courts um <sighs> well yeah because they like they rejected it in both the house and the senate which was obviously like loki kind of 
shocking, I guess, because I mm-hmm. think it came down to them being like, well, no matter what side you're on, we don't want to set this precedent. Right, um, right. I think it's just that they were like, we want our power and we want to keep it. Um, not so much like we disagree with what you're trying to do. It's more so like we disagree with the idea of you away. making a decision. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that got vetoed. And now it's go- and that's why it's going to court because so everybody and their mom is suing. I don't know, yeah. y'all. Read the read a paper. Um, <laughs> other things in, like, oh, other political. This is kind of, like, a good one slash bad one. Like, most things, there's a little bit of give and take. So, HR1, which is that, like, huge, like, kind of overhaul of, like, voting rights. So, some of the things that are included in that bill um, are, like, making Election Day everywhere, like, a federal holiday. Um, making, like, more automatic voter registration. Mm-hmm. Um, just a whole lot of things. It also like includes like a bit about, I think just kind of reducing gerrymandering through like independent redistricting of all that shit. Um, uh, okay. Um, but anywho, so that passed in the house because, you know, the Dems have the majority there. And then Mitch McConnell was like, LOL, I don't know her. Um, and <laughs> like, refuses to even like bring Put it, on it the floor. to a vote. Um, uh, even though it wouldn't pass the Senate, like, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that's what we're about here. Like, you know, not we're just restricting the voice of as many people as possible um, who aren't white. Um, turn up. And uh, I do, uh, man, oh, fucking and other things that are like, why are we already this deep into what feels like the presidential election? And it's right. I was going to say, Beto threw his hat in the ring. But of all the rich white men who could be running. I don't mind him. I like I could get behind a Beto 2020 candidacy. Like I'm not gonna yay or nay it here. I think I need to do some more reading anyway. Um, but that's just this is getting crowded. Um, I mean that's like a lot of politics things. Um, I don't know the full extent of this one, but it's definitely interesting in international things. Um, So apparently the Senate passed a resolution to withdraw, like, American support from, like, the conflict in Yemen, a.k.a., like, basically funneling coins and weapons to Saudi Arabia, um, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing. Um, But I don't know what the full implications of all that are. Another one that I'm like, "Mm, going to have to do a little (laughs) more reading. I know the high-level details, but should we be political commentators? Maybe, mm. maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you decide. Um, oh, man. Like, my last piece. Um, and this has been kind of an ongoing thing. And I think this is an issue that, in particular, requires a lot more, like, in-depth discussion and hearing from multiple perspectives than we probably have time to, like, get into right now. But kind mm-hmm. of the whole, like, Ilhan Omar um, anti-Semitism oh. debate which is like, can you? I think it's. Mm, sorry, I, I think it's no, really no. interesting that everyone was so j- quick to jump on the Ilhan Omar as a, an anti-Semite, but no one wants to call Trump a racist. Like how? Like I like she said she and in my opinion gave a valid criticism of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. My and that may be my own political leanings, like or my own view of the situation. Um, and I think I've become more well versed in the situation than I, um, a lot of non-Jewish Americans are, just because I had a, I had a um, an Orthodox Jewish roommate for like a summer, and she was like super involved in like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and she 
was more in support of Israel. But um, so I got that perspective. But then um, there was also a student group that was more supporting like um, Palestine kind of becoming like not an occupied state, you know. Um, and I think from what I understand, um, I, I, I think her criticism was valid. And but everyone just kind of jumped on the opportunity, which not to say that, like, you know, you can't be a person of color and have your own biases, you know what I mean? And like also be disenfranchised in some ways, but still look to disenfranchise others in other ways. Um, but I really don't think that what she said was that um, wild. So, I, I mean. And even if there were like things in there that maybe could have been said in a better way or a way that like didn't, I guess, like I don't know, fall into some sort of like trope or other things that people brought up, like, she gave like an actual apology and like owned up to things and also still stood her ground and said, that doesn't mean that like all of these criticisms are null and void. Like it's important yeah. to be able to even have this conversation. Um, yeah. Like that's, I don't know. I think that's overall just an important thing to, if you support something and think that having like a state like Israel is a really great thing. And like you support some of the things like, I think being critical of flaws and things that could be improved or things that, you know, are overall just like not great about them. That's super fucking important. Just like, well, it's the same way you can criticize America and yeah. still be like, a patriot. Know, <laughs> that I was like, yeah, lucky that I was like born here and I like accept all that, but there are still a whole fucking shitload of things <laughs> that are like not good about it as we know. Yeah. <sighs> so but that is, <laughs> I guess to end our like international slash political (laughs) segment, um, I feel like we can't go without like saying, uh, or not saying, but acknowledging what happened in New Zealand this week. Um, just because that shit was wild. And I, I mean, I, I can't imagine kind of like what these people are going through when they're, they live in a culture. I was thinking about it from an American perspective and it's sad because I was just like, oh, sorry that there was a shooting, but like that happens all the time here. And it like really wasn't that jarring for me to hear, but these people are shook. You know what I mean? Like they've never had anything like this happen. And and, like, not to say that we shouldn't be every time it happens, but like they really just don't even, I, I don't even know that they can like fathom kind of what, you know, what just happened. And I, I mean, I can empathize, I guess my eight-year-old self might be able to empathize because that was probably around the time when I was like, well, shootings happen and like that's just a part of life and we have to do drills in school because, you know, at any point someone could come in and decide to like murder everyone and, you know, but it really sucks that it was in a place of worship and people had welcomed him into the space, um, which I think speaks to Islam as a whole. as like a welcoming and open religion and not just an extremist perspective, the same way we don't look at Christianity as just an extremist perspective, even though there's been a lot of rape and pillaging due to that. But anyways. um... (laughs) One other feeling about that. Um, I think my main takeaway from the whole terrible tragedy and all that shit is that it's really upsetting to think that, and to acknowledge that the trends and like the movements and shit that are happening in the United States with this like Trump I guess what's validating some of the the toxic terrible disgusting like feelings and hate of these of this small set of people Mm -hmm. that in our own country and shit that we continue to just let happen I feel like you you can't ignore the fact that that is 
influencing and impacting other, other countries, countries that we yeah. consider, you know, westernized or yeah. things like that. Um, because like, like you said, never in my life have I ever heard of anything like awful happening in New Zealand, like ever. They gave like us they have more sheep than people, right? That's like their thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, <laughs> that's like, uh, it's, that's very scary. Um, but that, I think on the upside, uh, they, the way that they're handling it is they were just like, all right, well, since you guys want to be wild with these shootings, um, we're just going to outlaw machine guns or not, what, not machine guns, um, assault rifles. Or, yeah. Or yeah. Semi-automatic weapons. Automatic like, just like, thingies. Yeah. <laughs> Anything shit. that could be used to commit a mass shooting of this, like, or a mass murder of this scale. Like we're just going to not give regular people access to that. And I'm like, hmm, wow. Immediate response. Like within days. Not even. I think it was within 24 hours. Yeah. So, <laughs> so once again, uh, what us, what are we doing? Um, wow. So thank you all for coming along on that ride of our like odd brand 2020 uh, <laughs> campaign. Um, yeah. So lots of things going on in the world. Pop yeah. culture is happening too. So yeah. that's, um, I feel like you might have, have you seen Captain Marvel yet? I haven't. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I went to see it. And um, I may or may not have fallen asleep. Um, that sounds like very on brand. My, you know what, Brandon? I don't need your sass. <laughs> um, it had been a long week, and uh, we got food beforehand. And Ooh. midway There's through the, yeah, midway through the movie, uh, my boyfriend just gave me his coat and was like, "Here's my shoulder, just like you know." I, let me just let me finish the movie. <laughs> uh, the Game of Thrones trailer, y'all! I feel so excited that I'm finally like caught up and like I can be in the know. And I, I'm ready for this new season. So, I'm like in support of all of these fan theories, but I feel like they all are going to be wrong because it's Game of Thrones. So you can never predict what's going to happen. It's like the only thing that you can predict is that you can't predict anything. Um, so. I but I like the brand is the night or brand not is the night king but like wards into the night king and like gets stuck in the past and then eventually becomes the night king. That whole theory seems pretty plausible. I like spent a little while on the in the depths of Reddit, which mm. was an interesting time. There's a lot of weird people there, um, but and not weird in the fun way. <laughs> so it was um I think I don't know I don't know if everyone else or do you know of that theory. I think I saw something about it. I haven't read too much into it. Like, I, I honestly, like, I watch a trailer, and then, I don't know, I don't think I even want to watch any more trailers. Like, I'm just excited for it to be here, and I, I'll i be surprised regardless. Like, I'm easily surprisable. What else? Oh, rich people scam their way into college. Who's surprised? Uh, Not me. Uh, it's so interesting, I, though. Cause, and someone tweeted this also, but for me, even, like, just being a black person in an Ivy League school, like, people are constantly questioning your position there, whether or not you belong there. Like, do you, like, how did you get here? How was it possible that you, you know, made it this far? And it's just really frustrating because I'm just like, I made it this far by working three times as hard as your ass because not only am I black, but I'm a woman. So, but like at the same time, you see all these like white faces and everything and no one ever questions their position there. But everybody's daddy's donated to the library, you know? So... (sighs) I don't... Why they got to ruin fucking full house? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) The fact that people... It's nothing sacred. (laughs) Brandon. (laughs) You're right. That's not what's important. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. But I'm just saying the fact that everyone believed it was a meritocracy in the first place. Like, I feel like the thing that happens is, like, poor white people, like, we're like, oh, my gosh. Um, like, we're not getting into schools. Therefore, it's, like, the it's, it's all, um, like, people of color's fault. And, like, it's all, you know, like, it's all uh, affirmative action. That's the word I'm looking for. So it's, like, really frustrating because... It's not. It's like your fellow white peers who just have way more money than you and are buying their way into these spaces. So, yeah. But also, Aunt Becky, get your shit together. Uh, her <laughs> name is literally Aunt Becky, isn't it? On oh, out, wow. Right? That is just too fitting. Becky. <laughs> oh, last, last, last thing. Um, I feel like this got overshadowed with the news about the mass shooting in New Zealand, but there's also a huge tragedy, and I feel like we would be really shitty not to mention it because we have an Ethiopian co-host, Ethiopian American co-host. <laughs> um, but it's the the um, what's it called? Is it Boeing? Uh, where Boeing mm -hmm. flights? Yeah. Um, Was that type of jet Boeing yeah. something seven something? But yeah, it, it crashed, and a lot of people lost their lives. I think it was also around fifty people lost their lives in that and I mean that could have been any of these flights you know what I mean like it could have been anyone at any you know on any of these flights in the various countries that they fly in and out of so um yeah really sorry to hear that and I hope everyone's like healing Doing from that well, you know yeah. as well as they can yeah um and in response to that crash I know, I, I don't know if it's like an entire international thing, but I'm pretty sure like those types of planes have been like grounded at this point from like everywhere, definitely in the United States at this point. Yep, um, they just did that so, though. Yeah, basically just because they, the two, that crash and one other one that was like relatively recent or were both linked to that same exact type of plane. So mm -hmm. uh, I guess we'll hopefully figure out like, you know, what the heck caused it um, and make sure everything going forward, people are safe. That's yeah. it. Well, thank you all for, you know, sticking with us as we literally Unpacked went through like a month's a month. worth of yeah. <laughs> drama. So if you weren't hip, you're probably like still ignorant because like there's really only so much that we know about anything. But now you uh, at least have a starting point if you were curious about anything in the world. <laughs> so uh, with that, let's let's just take a little break, a uh, breather, and then we'll be back with someone very exciting. Okay, so we're back. And as you all know, we've been doing our interview series this season of dope 20-somethings who have their lives together in one way or another in ways that we don't, to be honest. <laughs> and this week, we're talking to a dear friend of mine. Um, she is a published children's book author. Um, she is a current student, a master's student in the hired program at Teachers College at Columbia. Um, and just like a generally like great dope person like and we're super excited to have her so yeah. welcome Dynika. hello thank you for having me hey. hi Dynika. um we are super excited uh she's been like chilling and being like so low-key the whole time um, yeah. <laughs> and like dealt with us going through that entire uh everything that happened in the world so thanks girl um no to get things rolling, so, like, I know you and I know each other, but, I mean, this is our first time virtually meeting, and for our listeners, possibly their first time as well, um, do you want to just, like, break it down for us? Introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of what is, sure. what's going on? 
So um, I was born in uh, L.A., born and raised there, and I uh, actually just moved to New York about eight months ago, so I'm brand new to the city. Um, it's been a really nice transition, um, but I used to teach in Orange County. I used to teach um, intro to mathematics at a community college. I did that for about five years, and then I became interested in my students' lives outside of the classroom, so I'm transitioning into administration now. So mm. I uh, got admitted to Teachers College Columbia University, and then I just moved out to the city. So happy to and be now here. And she's here with me. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is so exciting. Wow, a bi-coastal queen. Um, that's, yeah. I find that so fascinating and exciting. So then did you two, just for my own knowledge, I guess meet through like Teachers College? Yeah. Or did so you know each other because of other reasons? We met through no. roommate. Yeah. <laughs> So um, one of my uh, former roommates, her name is Brenda. Shout out to Brenda. Hey, Brenda. Hey. <laughs> so she's in the same program as Ashane. Um, okay. uh, we met through her, and I just automatically fell in love with Ashane. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's so cool. She has the best energy in the world. So we also, did. we were like, like, wait, we're the only black girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, gave our, we gave each other that, like, nod. That like, like, okay, I got you. We're good. We're in this together, you know. Yeah. We're going to make it. <laughs> We're going to make this work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we love this mutual support. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. But, okay. So then I guess we are super interested in, like, hearing about your journey to, like, becoming an author. Like, what? Oh, man. Was Okay, so. <laughs> well, start at the beginning, I guess. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Start yeah. at the beginning. So was reading, like, a big part of your childhood? Like, did you have? Okay, so this is a very uh, unconventional answer. I actually didn't read much as a child. Hmm. Um, I actually had literacy issues um, up until I was about 11 years old. I did not know how to read. Really? Um, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. it was it was pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> so in elementary school, um, well, I'm biracial. I just have to throw that in right now because it's going to make a lot of sense as to what happened in elementary school. So my mom is black. Um, she's originally from um, Louisiana. Uh, shout out to Louisiana. And my dad is a Mexican. Uh, he's Mexican. And he came here when he was 11 years old. He's from Jalisco. And um, I, when I was in elementary school, my dad used to drop me off at school all the time. So when they realized, my teachers realized I was having issues learning how to read, they thought it was an ESL issue. Mm. Uh so an uh, English second learner issue rather than just a literacy uh, issue. Mm. So I was misidentified. <laughs> and they put me in all these lot. programs yeah. where uh, I j it just was a hit and miss for me. It just wasn't working. And it wasn't until I was about, uh, I would say, near the end of uh, fourth grade that I was put with this specialist. And she helped me kind of sound out uh, letters. And I slowly learned how to read. So... That's how that happened. <laughs> so I didn't read that much, but um, I became really interested in art. I've always been into illustrating, um, painting, drawing. So when um, I did decide to write my children's book, I wanted to not only write it, but also illustrate it as well. So that was really important to me. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> and I'm like literally looking at a copy of the book right now. Oh, yeah. Um, it's right there. <laughs> it like sits on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so then what inspired you to write a children's book then? So while I was teaching math in Orange County, um, I realized that a lot of my students had issues. And these are adults. These are non-traditional students. Um, these are people who have um, who are returning to school um, from the workforce after 10 to 15 years working. Um, uh -huh. are um, moms, um, dads. These are parents. These are um, freshly graduated high school students. So I had a very diverse classroom. And one thing that they all had a common 
being in the intro mathematics class is that they didn't know how to read the question thoroughly or correctly. Mm. And a lot of it just stemmed from reading issues. So it really brought me back to my childhood. <laughs> and I decided, you know what, coming from um, South Central, that's where specifically where I grew up, I wanted to do something for the kids and their parents. So that's when I decided to um, start the, the book project. Uh, it was uh, very interesting um, has, as far as how big this has got since I started the project. It just literally started off as an idea and then it's just kind of turned into this like reading uh, advocate type of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that super cool though. Yeah, and I think like, at least, Aj, I don't know if you're thinking like similar things or have had this thought. Um, I think that returning learners, like that whole population, which can be so varied in and of itself is something that like people don't think about a whole lot mm -mm. Uh, that there are and I mean we saw that firsthand a bit when we were like bringing groups in and transitioning them into the University of Maryland and our like orientation job um, but it was, it was definitely it, it has unique challenges because a lot of those people they have like entire families mm -hmm. and, and you know are trying to work these like full-time jobs and also yeah. and like support a family like take these classes and try and like, you know, Better whatever, for whatever their motivations are, you know? Yeah. Um, and that Absolutely. can be from so many different places. So I think it's really cool that you like worked with those populations as well, just in general. Oh yeah. You know what? I mean, um, when I chose to apply, um, to a community college as an instructor, I knew that I would be working with a, I, I would be dealing with uh, various different challenges coming from that diverse population of students. Um, and it reminded me a lot of my, my childhood once again, because my mom and dad, they didn't attend college. Um, only one of my parents graduated from high school. So I know how difficult it is to pursue an education when you're dealing with the I guess the challenges of just trying to make it, just trying to make ends meet and yeah. work and care for your children. So that really yeah. resonated with me. It's so funny though, because I didn't realize that because obviously like you look at, I look at like the book is called, sorry, the book is called Leo, the furless lion. Or, oh God. Leo, the fearless and furless lion. Sorry. <laughs> I should probably throw that in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll plug. get the nitty gritty of that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll post links. We'll yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. yeah. All this is all the backstory, you know, <laughs> but, um, it's, I always looked at it, it, I was just like, oh, dope children's book, but I never thought about the fact that, like, this could be helping adults with their literacy as well, because they need to Absolutely. read to their children. Yes. So, and I could talk a little bit about that in a moment, too, about how I designed the book. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 no, go for it. Yeah, so actually, um, before I started working as a community college teacher, I used to work in, um, in Compton Elementary, at Compton Elementary School as an after-school tutor. So I worked with you know, troubled youth who, you know, didn't have a lot of people to look up to and they, you know, their parents also struggled. So I, when I first came up with the project, I just had the manuscript super rough. I hadn't started the illustrations yet. So I took the manuscript to my, um, to Compton Elementary and I read for them and I told myself, okay, if this story resonates with these children, then I'm going to continue the project. Okay. But had they been not interested and just been like, oh, this is a dumb story. Like, I don't, <laughs> what are you doing? They call me Miss Campa. What are you doing, Miss Campa? Like, uh, we want to go play, but they really loved it. And that's when I decided just to dedicate oh. the remainder of the year to the project. Um, but I, um, as you can imagine, being in elementary school and not knowing how to read, it pretty much sucked. <laughs> yeah. I uh, dealt with a lot of bullying, <laughs> didn't have many friends, um, and, you know, teachers, I went to not such a great elementary school. Our yeah. classrooms were, like, overpopulated. They were already, our teachers were already overwhelmed as it is, just getting through through the curriculum and dealing with, you know, bad behavior or, you know, 
perceived bad behavior. Perceived, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just respond to I mean, home life, whatever. Right, yeah. right. I mean, we can all get up. We can dive in that. In yeah. That too. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I knew what it was like to feel isolated um, just because of my identity, being biracial, identifying as other, um, not fitting into the like a particular social group and mm-hmm. having a learning disability um, as well. It just kind of made it hard to fit in. Um, but I did get to a point where I had to just, I had to do what it, what I had to do to survive and to, mm-hmm. you know, move on, fo- move forward academically. Um, thank God for that learning, um, that reading specialist that came through for me. Yeah. Um, but I decided to create my character, Leo the lion. Um, I wanted to choose an animal that, sh- that was very strong, perceived as strong. Right. And I felt like, you know, as a black woman, as Ajani, you mentioned before, like we deal with a lot and we always have to be strong no matter what we're going through. Yeah. So I chose a lion or perceived as strong, but he has this issue where he doesn't have his lion mane. So that's that one <laughs> identifying factor that makes that perceives him as strong. He's so cute, though. Still. He is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> He's the cutest thing ever. And um, he gets bullied because of that in the story. And he has to learn, basically, that he's still a cool lion no matter what. Now, how he got to that particular um, stage in that story is pretty interesting. He pretended to be someone else in the middle of the story. He mm-hmm. went to go get a, a lion mane weave. I'm just kidding. It's not a weave. <laughs> he got a lion mane wig from a costume store, Mr. Giraffe's costume store, and he brought it back to school. And no one at school recognized him. They're like, oh, shoot, like, who's this new lion? And <laughs> that ain't Leo because he has a mane. And then Leo was like, oh, shoot, well, my name is Jasper. So nice to meet you guys, Jeff, you know? Uh So he, he became really popular and everyone loved him. He was just like the coolest lion. And one day off Friday, last day of school, he's playing basketball and he goes for a slam dunk and the mane falls off. So he has to stage, right? (laughs) His edges were snatched (laughs) and (laughs) he has to deal with the backlash and, you know, he chooses to be courageous. I'm not going to tell you everything that he does, but let's just say he learns to stand up for himself. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of love. Yeah. It's about (laughs) self-love, being courageous, being strong and believing in yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, okay. So I'm, as I'm listening to it, and then, like, also knowing your backstory and everything, mm-hmm. I can tell that there's, like, a lot of, like, you in that character. Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely. I mean, like I mentioned before, it, it was, I was kind of born as others, so I feel like children especially are susceptible to um, being bullied and not being accepted if they don't want look like a particular group Mm -hmm. if they don't identify as one particular group and if they are having issues just kind of just fitting in in general I mean keeping up to the same speed as their classmates in the classroom um being accepted by their teachers family life all of that really does matter okay so then I guess moving on to like more of the logistics and stuff because oh yeah yeah (laughs) that's what everyone wants to know they're like how the heck did you do it well (laughs) I I know you so I can imagine how you did it you were like I did what I had to do when I had to do it (laughs) but (laughs) let's just say I had a little friend time um (laughs) I was just kind of you know I just once I decided that I was going to follow through with the project I told myself you know what this is something that 
if I'm going to start it, I have to finish it. And let me tell you, I reached so many points where I was just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is too much. Mm-hmm. Like I was having like nightmares about <laughs> illustrating <laughs> the book. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it was great. It was, it, it all turned out great. But you know, anything that's worth having is going to be hard um, to work for. I mean, it's going to be hard to get there. But so I started like I said, the manuscript, I wrote that. That took me about three weeks to okay. finalize. Like I had the story, it was in my heart, it was in my brain. I just had to put it down on paper. And then I just followed a format of manuscript online, you know, just Google it. And then I, you know, just spruced it up every now and then. Now, I went to Compton Elementary. I read it to the children. They loved it. Next, choosing whether I wanted to illustrate it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I said, I d- I've always loved art. I- I've loved painting, drawing, um, you name it, a photography. I've loved it all. But I didn't feel like my skills were valid, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Because I've never well, because done it professionally, always... you know? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's hard to, like, I think even sometimes with us, we're like, we make a podcast, but we're not podcasters. You know what I mean? Right. I like, we shouldn't like, do that. <laughs> right, we right, really right. shouldn't do that to ourselves. But we're like, I take ballet, but I'm not a dancer. Right. You know? Like, no, honey, you're a ballet dancer. Yeah. Do, it. <laughs> do your thing. Yeah. Um, but I, a lot of the self, a lot of the doubt came from myself. You know, I was just, kick, I was kicking my own ass. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Um, but I started to reach out to um, various illustrators um, online. You know, we live in a world right now where everything's online. So, I mean, social media, I was going out, um, looking at pieces on Instagram, Facebook. I mean, there were various um, blogs, different types of platforms. And I was just searching and searching. And although I liked their work, I just, I wasn't in love with it. Okay. You know, and then, and then I started researching publishing houses and self-publishing. So given that this is, this was my first project, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like royalties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> I would have gotten a low percentage of royalties. Of course. Had I gone through a traditional um, publishing house, I was given some offers, and it just, it just didn't. What like was the? I would say like average percentage that they were offering. <sighs> just not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Just not a lot. Just yeah. not a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I just decided to go through self-publishing. Um. So I published through Amazon's Create Space. Uh, I, didn't they, I didn't know you could do that. I yeah. I mean, hey, I'm going to make this as informative as possible. <laughs> this is what you got to do, guys. <laughs> so if you have a story in mind and you're going to illustrate it yourself, you can go through Amazon's Create Space. It is a process. Um, you do have to purchase your own ISBN. Mm. And um, you have to market the book yourself. Of course. Which yeah. is something that I wanted to do anyways. Okay. I really wanted to hone this project and keep it um, as humble and original to the uh, original thought as possible. Yeah. Um, so I went that route and I'm so happy I did. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I have so much autonomy. I can do whatever I want with the, with the book now. And, um, and royalties are, they're all mine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Majority of them are all mine. So <laughs> that's great. That's dope. Um, so once I decided to go through create space, so First step, um, one, write your story. <laughs> Two, decide if you're going to go through a traditional publishing house or um, self-publishing, independent publisher. That's what you usually call it. And then figure out who's going to illustrate it in the case of a children's book. So I decided to start illustrating my book. Y'all, now, <laughs> illustrating a book is not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not as much fun as it Oh, sounds. my gosh. <laughs> so I became, like, a professional with, like, Photoshop, 
I use a drawing pad um, by the company Wacom. I literally went to my local Best Buy and I just started from scratch learning how to transfer my original sketches online and then and, make it digital. Yeah, just make it digital and you know add in all of the color. So now that's pretty much what took the longest. I illustrated this book for a total of about 11 months. Really? 11 months. But you wrote, wrote it in three weeks? Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Yeah. The illustrations were just like insanely time time consuming. But now that I flip, flip through my book, I'm just like, wow, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, did yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the kids love it. So, I mean, it was it was all worth it. When Once I ordered my first copy, you guys don't understand. The, you probably cried. I did. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's in my hands. Like, wow. And the most, oh, I guess it's a little secret for y'all listeners. When I got my first copy, I realized that I had a typo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. On the back page. <laughs> I was like, shit. So <laughs> I had to fix it and then republish it, which was hilarious. Oh, but that's so funny, I, I still have that book, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Like, so funny. like, so, like, what exactly would happen? You're just like, I've done it. It's complete. Here yes. it is. Like, literally manifested yes. from my <laughs> own, like, yes. spirit into my hands. Oh, yes. shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. check let me down. <laughs> I was just like, shit, how many people have purchased this already? Um, so with Create Space, basically, my book is... Um, for purchase on their on the Amazon site and it's um, print to order. So as soon as you select order, it just they gets print shipped it to your, yeah, they print oh, it for that's me. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So I have my own inventory just because I do book tours. So I'll have books along with me and I like to sign them for my little reader, my little readers. That's so sweet. Yeah. Oh my Send a little personal message in there. Stay positive. Keep reading. Yeah, keep <laughs> reading. Be courageous. You know, little cute messages like that. I like that it's like, like like print to order, like you said. I mean that feels sustainable in like it does. It totally is. It totally is. And it's easier for me too. And that seems really cool. I mean that the whole thing. I didn't know that that like exists. I mean that makes sense that there's a platform where you can do all of that. Uh, yeah. It's like well known as like Amazon. Like that's right. just really cool. and that I feel like that makes it something like possible for you as just like an individual who is like a first time doing this like right. kind of. Project. Like pretty encouraging, I think, to hear. Yes, absolutely. I think if I can provide any advice for a first-time author um, is to just, you know, try to go the most cost-effective route, uh, route for your first book, um, just because you don't know where your journey is going to take you, but you just want to make sure that, you know, you don't clean out your own bank account for yeah. your first book, you know? Yeah. Not that it's all about money, but you don't want to risk it all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> at all it's not all about money right you gotta i mean paid. you gotta eat yeah <laughs> you need a roof over your head True. right so okay so then do you feel like i guess throughout the process of like obviously you ended up independent publishing but do you feel like any of that had to do with maybe some discrimination you were facing like because you were a woman of color in this space or like trying to well you know i mean in or outside of this uh author process mm -hmm. um I've dealt with discrimination course, you know just yeah. being a woman of color living in America <laughs> I mean as soon as you walk through the door you gotta let them know not today <laughs> <laughs> not today <laughs> and you know that's just it's just uh 
that's my salient identity. I mean, it's, it's something that's going to speak volumes before I open my mouth, you mm-hmm. know, just, just visually who I am. Um, I would have to say during my process of writing, um, I think my identity has actually been a positive uh, aspect in this journey, okay. it, um, especially for my, my little readers and their parents, just being um, an author of color, a woman of color visiting these schools and just being like, hey, you can do this, mm-hmm. you know, and also sharing my story. I didn't know I didn't learn how to read until I was almost 11. They're just like, OK, wow. So my kid's going to be OK. It's like, yeah, your kid's going to be <laughs> gonna fine. Be fun, yeah. You know, just offer that support and share great stories like Leo the Lion with them <laughs> <laughs> and read my book and read my book <laughs> available on Amazon now. But yeah, I mean, functioning in white spaces um, is a, a skill set. I would have to say mm, that say any that. person of color has to learn how to kind of work. Um, I've definitely visited schools early on during my journey and Oh, I should also say, like, this all took place. Um, I published in September of 2017. So okay. started writing it in 2016. Um, I did visit a few, I would say one to two schools early on in, during my project to read my book. And I, you know, I, I feel like I was treated a little differently because I'm a woman of color, mm. meaning, you know, they didn't want to give me a proper space to read the book. You know, mm. they didn't want to purchase um, a minimum set of books. You know, they just kind of wanted me to come for free and to, you know, like, I just felt like I wasn't validated there. Not that I was seeking validation, but the respect wasn't there. Hmm. Yeah. Well, then I guess we can shift a little bit away from the book. And then the other, the other like casual thing you're doing, getting a master's degree. Oh, yeah. A little <laughs> casual. <laughs> you know, a little something. <laughs> so I understand. I So I totally understand how going from like the community college space and still seeing like adults who obviously were still having literacy problems. Yes. Um, then translates, like you said, into caring about what your students were doing outside mm-hmm. of the classroom. Yeah. So then now you're here. Yes, I am. Yeah. So how Started did from the bottom now? Here. <laughs> now you're in the yeah. city at Columbia, like studying higher ed to go into administration. I guess what made you decide to like uproot your life from LA and then like move here and like what, like why Columbia? Like why, what did that whole journey look like? Ooh, okay. So basically uprooting my life. Um, so I grew up in a single parent household. So I knew about what the struggle is. <laughs> the struggle is real. And, um, you know, I, I had to start working um, in the middle of high school. So I've had a job ever since then. Um, which meant that I had to gain a lot of independence early on. Yes. So I've been living away from my family since the age of 19. Okay. Yeah, I haven't lived in my mom's house since then. Um, so I've always kind of just carried this this notion that I have to make it. I don't know. I just have to do it. You know, yes. it's a means of survival. So school was my way of kind of just taking care of myself. I knew that if, if I get college a few college degrees and I just stay motivated yeah. and I just, you know, and something I, has to work out. Yeah, something like, has to work out because I got to break this generational poverty that I was born into. You know, I just want it better yeah. for my family and for my future family. Um, and I, 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 you know, I struggled. I was always a working student. I was working um, two part-time jobs while in attending school uh, full-time. What was that? In when? undergrad? Yeah, in undergrad. Oh, yeah, so I went from Cal State Northridge, which is in California. Well, yeah, Cal State Northridge. I went to Cal State Northridge, which is a four-year. Then I transferred to 
uh, I bounced around um, into three different community colleges. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of just failed out of my first four year because I just was underprepared. I mean, yeah. I just couldn't make it. And then I transferred back into a four year and graduated. So that's really what got me interested in higher ed. Mm. Just that transfer student, non-traditional first generation student path. You know, how are students really navigating the system? And as we know, I mean, a lot of us aren't. Oh, you're right. <laughs> We're like barely making it, you know. Yeah. And as we know, some students are more privileged than others. I mean, hint, hint, this ad admissions uh, scandal, <laughs> scandal yeah. that's going on right now. I mean, honey, <laughs> let me tell you, many a times I've been in classes and just felt like this is not for me. This is not the space for me. Yep. And I just had to push through that. Um, and you know what? When I graduated from Cal State Dominguez Hills, that's where I graduated. Um, shout out to all the professors who were just like really helping me out. Um, I just told myself this experience is not isolated. I cannot be the only student who has gone through this and I refuse to not do something about it. That's what I told myself. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go into teaching because I always wanted to be a teacher. I got my undergrad in English literature, but I've always just been really good at math. Which is weird. Okay, so, so um, well, I was trying to no big deal. Right? <laughs> so I was just applying to different community colleges. That's the population I wanted to work with, and I got hired on as a math teacher. And you know, my students, as you may know already, students really struggle with math. It's it's just the one subject so many students dread. Yeah. And I think just being a woman of color. A, a younger instructor, which I'll get into that in a oh, little bit. Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's oh my goodness. That. I've had students call me honey, sweetie in class. Like I'm your professor. Yeah, Give me like, that I respect. Like, come <laughs> on now. But, um, oh yeah. So I, I kind of shifted into that space and I was working with a lot of, um, Asian American and white students. Um, so very different population than what I was used to but very very rewarding at the same time and I just I was just like you know what I I'm about to reach about five years working here mm -hmm. and I really want to become an administrator now I want to deal with pol policy I want to just make sure that our students are kind of that they're one matriculating and that yeah. they're two that they are um, they have the access to the resources that help them you know get carried through this this um, academic journey um and as we, as we know, low uh, socioeconomic students are more likely to drop out because they don't have access to these resources. And it, let's be real, the system is designed for um, low income minority students to fail. Yeah. You know, it, that's, that's just what it is. The foundation of higher ed was not meant for um, those populations of students. So I started applying to schools <laughs> and you guys, I applied to three schools, Cal State Fullerton, because that was around the same area where I was working. I applied to Loyola, uh, Loyola Marymount and LMU. And then I applied to Teachers College, Columbia University. So how did I apply to TC now? <laughs> I didn't even know about Teachers College at first. Me neither. I was like, the Teachers College? <laughs> They're like, no, it's just Teachers College. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so my, my boyfriend, he went to Columbia um, during his undergrad. And he was currently pursuing his MBA at UCLA at the School of Anderson. And he told me about it. He was like, I think you'd be great. You're social justice driven. You are, you're, you're an advocate. Like, I think you'd be great. I'm like, okay. And I knew in my heart and soul, I was not gonna, I was not about to get into school. I was like, I'm gonna entertain myself and apply. <laughs> but like I said, honestly, <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. 
I was just like, oh, I don't know if this space is for me, you know. Just- I was, I, when I applied, sorry, not to like, no, divert, please, but yeah, please. when I applied, I had applied to NYU, Georgetown, and okay. um, Columbia and Stanford. Okay, and yeah. I was like, all right, I have two like reasonable schools. Yeah. And even those I thought were like possibly a stretch, but then I was like, and I have two, like not gonna happen, but I would just wanna apply anyway. Yeah. So when I got in, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, oh, life is about to change. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, it's funny though, because even like Brandon, I feel like you were like, yeah, like, yeah, you got in. Like, no you one is survi- are... surprised. You're an amazing like, friend for even. Um... You're standing for her. I love that. (laughs) He was like, no. That's how you know who your real friends are. Who are just like, I knew you were going to get in. But I was just like, funny because I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you do something I didn't know. (laughs) Let me tell you, though. So I was having a really bad day when I got accepted to teacher's college. I was like crying. I was just kind of in that space where I was just severely overwhelmed. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. You know, I had just gotten done with this huge project. You know, Leo the fearless and fearless lion. And I was kind of just drained. You know, I knew what I wanted to do, but I just, I just didn't know if I had the amount of energy to kind of execute this, this journey. And then got the email for teachers college. They're so savage the way they let me know I got in. They said, (laughs) they sent me an email and they're like, Please check your portal. For yes, the yeah. I'm and like, you're like, Yo, uh, I'm in the hair salon. Yes, <laughs> I'm like driving home, and then I get home, and I'm like, okay, I'm already sad. I'm about to like just plummet at this point. I'm gonna just sink into the ground. So I'm like, I'm I'm sitting on my bed, and I just like say a quick prayer, and I'm like, you know what? If I've survived not knowing how to read until I was like almost 11. If I've survived poverty and just being independent and just not losing my goddamn mind, I will survive this decision. (laughs) So, yeah, I was just like, okay, let me just do this. So I ended up opening the letter. Uh, I'm sorry, the letter, the email, logging to my portal. And then I see all this confetti come down. And in my head, I'm like, oh, Columbia's really nice about rejecting students. (laughs) Oh, wow. Congrats, you didn't get it. Thanks for trying. <laughs> That's how much I didn't believe in myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this can't be real. It took me a few minutes. Really? For it to like sink in, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was just like, okay, my life is about to change because I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're just like, I'm going to pick up and move and I just, go for it? I just told myself I'm going to do what scares me most. And that's the, the decision that scared me most. I was like, I got to uproot my life and just move. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it was... It was definitely the biggest move of my life, and I'm just so happy I did that. I just know that it means so much more to other um, prospective students and just my community to just kind of just uproot sometimes and just do what scares you the most. Yeah. Yeah. If this was one of those, like, fancy, like, box videos, this would be the part where, like, in big, bold letters across the screen, it's like, I just had to do what scared what me most. Yes! <laughs> I'd be well, like, like bolded and highlighted, and I'd be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> That's what you gotta do, guys. Do what scares you most, do everyone. What there, you okay? most. I, ooh, inspiration for the day. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad that inspired you, cause honey, I was scared. <laughs> I was scared, but you know, it's been great. I mean, Ashanae's been amazing. You Thank know, you. <laughs> I just really treasure people who are supportive, and I'm glad that you know that you belong here. You know, this sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I know, trust me, trust me. I mean, my program, I'm learning a lot more about the, 
I'm learning a lot about spaces and learning how to kind of work in them. That's literally what we're going to ask you about next. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, yes. perfect. How do you feel perfect about your program? Go for it, yeah. Okay, great. So I'm in the higher and post-secondary administration uh, master's of arts program, and I I really do enjoy it. I really like it. I'm learning a lot about um, theories of diversity. I'm learning a lot about the various forms of um, racism within our uh, higher ed system. I like that we really dive into these kind of just not so friendly, jolly subjects, yeah. subject matter. Um, I'm learning about, I'm learning why I had to struggle so much during my first year, my undergraduate years. Like mm. I, it wasn't my fault. I was, it was just designed that way. Yeah. You know, I was just severely underprepared. I'm learning about why students of color and low-income students are more likely to attend two-year and, and for-profit colleges more than uh, highly selected colleges mm -hmm. and why, you know, um, white um, high SES students are more likely to be successful whether they go to college or not because of their inherited uh, privileges. Yeah. So it's just really nice to kind of just connect the dots now. I'm, in, I'm at that point in my life now where I just really want to learn about what's happened how this system is designed and what I can do to better this because mm. it's going to get done. Well then I guess we're kind of wrapping it up. Nice. <laughs> um, a couple last questions, but uh -huh. first, what do you see for yourself in the future? Where's Dai going? What's next? Oh man. What's next for Dainika? So um, I will be starting. What was that? I was saying like, all these dope things. Like we got one book on the, on the shelves <laughs> metaphorically and literally, uh, yeah. so to speak. It's like, ooh, and now we're in this program. And it's like, oh. Wow, okay. thank you. <laughs> I'm trying, you know. Um, so what am I going to do next? One, um, I'm trying to practice self-love here and just like really get my head on straight. I think that, I hear that for the last few years, I've been just kind of grinding hard and it's it's hard to just slow down and just kind of just ground yourself again. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on that. Um, the fact that that's a priority is yes, like, <laughs> that yes. is getting rid of all the negative energy in my life. Um, I'm working on my second children's book. Um, it's going to be a follow up to Leo the Lion. Yay! So okay. um, look out for that. Um, I am building up my business page, uh, which is called Bright Period Blended Period Books. Bright Blended Books. Um, I put, <laughs> I named it that because I want it to be positive. I want it to be inclusive and it's books. So, <laughs> so I'm building up my Love Instagram. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so I'm doing that and I'm just getting through this master's program right now. Um, so yeah, definitely working on the next writing project. Um, and I'm going to be shifting. Um, I'm working in admissions right now through right. a graduate assistantship and I'm going to shift into a, um, hopefully academic advising position Ooh, okay, yeah cool, cool, i want to cool, cool. connect with uh, interact with more students and um see what other projects i i have in store i i know um okay one more thing that i wanted to do actually you know i applied for your program originally really when i yeah yeah i started i was like halfway through and i was like oh you know i'm just gonna go through the higher ed one but i applied to your program uh -huh. because i wanted to create a, a children's book app well, yes. Here's where I come in. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think we talked about this once or twice. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I think it's no, it's okay. Things are falling off. <laughs> we talked about this once or twice, but I want to create we a drunk. children's book app. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I'm like, Best hey, idea. Um, okay. We brainstorm in the shower and when you're turned. And if you're drinking wine in the shower, you are gonna have like 
literally a, a, a huge light bulb. Okay. Yeah. Winning combo. <laughs> hey, I mean, this is why though, and I'm gonna keep it short and simple. My parents didn't read to me as a kid. They were just busy, and you know, I would just come home, play for a little bit, and go to sleep, and then go start all over again the next day, and just go to school. So. If I can create an app or some type of storytelling um, program for children where I could read to them, Mm. I think that would be really beneficial for their uh, literacy development. That's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I would say the next three, three to four years is probably what (laughs) I'm going to do. Yeah. (laughs) I have a few things up in here. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Wow. This has been great, guys. It's real nice to brainstorm with you guys yeah. <laughs> and kind of reflect on this journey because it's been like crazy. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because we love this. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry if I t- took forever telling my story. No, you didn't. You did. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> we asked for the details. Oh, awesome. <laughs> the people, what they want, and the people being us. Um, <laughs> so I think just last couple of questions. So like we're thinking like the we've gone to the past, we've gone to the future. Um, right now in this moment, I know like after talking about your journey, like you weren't doing a ton of reading until age 11, but yeah. in this current day and age, like what are, do you have any favorite books or anything you're reading right now? Any just recommendations for people out there just looking to sink their teeth into something? Okay. So I have a few. Okay. So I just got, <laughs> so this is kind of in and out of children's books, actually. I haven't, um, like I said, I didn't read much as a kid, which is pretty funny because I write children's books now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm reading um, two books right now, and I just got done with one. The one that I just got done reading was um, I Am Malala. Mm. I freaking loved it. I know I'm kind of late to the party, but it was great. She's just um, yet either. I'm still reading Michelle Obama. Now. Oh, like, Becoming? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I need to read through that, too, actually. Um, but she's we'll just trade. a... Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> um, she's... um. Uh, an uh, education activist and I just I really resonate with her story and she's just resilient and I just oh, love her shout out to Malala hey girl um <laughs> I'm reading Wise Latinas um it's uh, writers on higher education and it's by Jennifer De Leon and it's just a collection of um Latina um professionals in higher ed um who are f- commonly first generation college graduates and their stories um, kind of similar to mine, like how they kind of navigated overcoming um, growing up low income and just being first gen, just kind of starting off with a blank canvas type of thing. So it's nice to read stories, short stories that are similar to yours. And then myself, my self-help book that I just got done with, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck <laughs> by Mark heard- Manson. It's great. Noted. That? I said I've heard that one before. I think I have some friends who are reading that. So noted. Yeah. Yes. Um, I highly recommend the audiobook of that book. So, so you can kind of just listen to it as you're cooking dinner or, I don't know, doing some yoga. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you could do. What you do. All right. Um, okay. Well, thanks so much, uh, Dai, for, like, coming on and sharing, like, that, like, so much of your stuff with us. Yeah. Uh, oh, with- no problem. I find so, it hard to like talk about myself sometimes, so I'm happy that you guys gave me this platform. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Love it. We love it. So y'all, uh, thanks for tuning in. We are gonna take a quick little break and then we'll be right back with uh, you know, some of our old yes. time favorites. Exactly. <laughs> All right, BRB again. <laughs> Yay, we're back. That was a sound. Um so y'all it is it is time yes it they truly are 
Um, we're back for our, you know, final two little segments, uh, Deadass and The Bop. So we're going to start things off with uh, some bi-weekly male objectification. Um, and we were just chatting. And Daya is, like, not only does she inspire through books for the children and for teaching the people all the things <laughs> um, and expanding those opportunities, but she also is, like, so generous when it comes to these, like, just sharing all the thirst with us as well. So... <laughs> This uh, this particular person in the world, you know, they are out here being funny on the television and in real life. I think we might have seen him at art. Did he come to University? Yeah, he did come to Maryland. Yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah, saw yeah. Him there I saw him. I saw him. But he's a charming individual who you might know um, from The Daily Show, Trevor Noah. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> in unison. He, yes. Like he's he's got that like. Cute little smile. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an accent, plus 10 yes. points. Um, he wrote, I actually read his book, like, I guess a couple years ago when it came out about his experience growing up in, like, South Africa and yes. um, with his mother and being, like, biracial and stuff. Um, so that was also a super interesting read. I can't remember the name of the book off the top of my head. Um, but another, like, really good read since we're, like, been on that topic. Um, but also just, like, I remember when... I think he first kind of was like taking over the daily show and as like someone who like really enjoyed that show um, and like John Stewart and all those things, I think, I don't know like how the audience like and the people in general in the world felt, but I know that that was like a huge change and also just like a big shoes to step into. Um, And he's like really coming to his own, like on the show and has been using that platform for a lot of super dope stuff. Um, so shout out to Trevor Noah and I thank you for the idea and the inspiration. No um, problem. I think she said yeah. it best when you said he's intellectually satisfying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely. Like, he says like super intelligent, like smart shit. And he represents the motherland. Like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, yeah. the, the apartheid yeah. ridden part. But yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so Trevor Noah, uh, now pushing it on to our next statement we've got Di's gonna let us know what has been like her jam as of late Di what are you feeling okay so y'all know that I am on the train now all the time I went from driving around in LA to on a train so I gotta make sure that my tunes are good so (laughs) I play Doja Cat so high oh my god it puts me in a whole mood really (laughs) I haven't heard it so what's the vibe what's the do you want me to play it no well We'll, we'll throw okay. a little clip for okay, the Okay, okay, okay. But <laughs> so it's just zen. It's just super zen. The the beat is just smooth. Okay. And it just it just pulls you in. It just pulls you in. I played it for my boyfriend. He was like, oh, this, this is good. Like, I'm like, yeah. It's so funny, though, because I know her from, what is it? The, I keep wanting to go, move. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the song, but I know I what you're talking about. But she's just she's just a whole little snack in herself too. She's just True. super pretty. And I saw the music video too, and I'm like, oh yeah, this matches the song per- perfectly. What she talks about is just getting super high. I don't even <laughs> smoke, okay? Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like the song is so good, I don't even smoke. But she just talks about getting high and just being just being confident and being around this guy and just being like you know you look real good but I'm just really into myself right now and I'm just oh, like ooh I feel the like- whole mood so please check that check out that song guys all right really yeah we'll give you a little clip here this is Doja Cat's so high yes. 
What a song. I'm excited to add that to my mix. LOL, this is funny because I haven't heard it yet, everyone. Um, but when I do hear it, I'm certainly going to add it to my mix of tunes. Um, yay. So that's it, everyone. That's that's all, folks, as they say uh, in Porky Pig. Um, Di, <laughs> thanks again y'all. for being here with us. No um, problem. It was great being fun. here. Um, hope that y'all are inspired. Go write a book. Go change the world. We love it. Um, so once again, I'm Brandon. I'm Aj. And, and uh, we miss you, Maya. Thank you yeah. for having me. <laughs> Yay. All right, y'all. Uh, see you next time. Kisses. Peace. This week's episode of Diet Starts Monday was produced and edited by Ajne Trust with production support from the entire DSM squad. Our theme song was written and performed by Brandon Shatt, and you can find episodes of the show on all of your favorite podcast streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DSM Pod or on Facebook at Diet Starts Monday Podcast.